Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Welcome to the Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Grounded Brand and their new Impact 2.0 Turkey Vest. Get grounded at groundedbrand.com. The Limhanger Turkey Hunt Podcast strives to bring opinions and discussions from all aspects of the turkey hunting community, from legendary turkey hunters who hunted in military fatigues to the modern day hunters embracing technology while maintaining traditions passed along for generations. All are welcome at this roundtable conversation about one of the wariest creatures in North America, the wild turkey. Now stick around. It's going to be a great show. All right, guys. By the time you listen to this, turkey season will have ended all over the country. But we're still here, and we're still talking about turkey season. Um, we got Adam here with us. It's just uh, Adam and I this week. And uh, Adam is still recuperating from surgery and uh, doing well, I'm assuming, Adam. Yeah, man. Uh, my doctor, he's kind of a, a cool old guy. He walks in, man, in the, the the room before we had the surgery, and he's got cowboy boots on, got those roach killers, nice and <laughs> leathered up, got that old southern draw. And uh, my wife said after surgery was over with, he came in and was like, ma'am, I did you one. I just did you two for one. So I had two of them, and he patched me up two wow. for one. And I was like, man, that's a good deal. So I'm glad we had a good uh, good surgeon there. Golly. <laughs> being efficient right there yeah, i had a i had a double hernia when i was a toddler uh i don't remember anything about it but that's like the only major surgery i've ever had but uh oddly enough but anyway we're uh we're gonna talk about gear today um and stuff we use throughout the year uh stuff that surprised us stuff that just stuck out um i don't know if we'll talk about much of anything that we won't ever use again and we might get we might go down that rabbit hole um and we'll talk about maybe stuff that we want to use next year. And we're going to try to run through it all uh, from literally head to toe, I guess. And stuff that, you know, you, you wouldn't really think about like travel stuff or camping stuff. Uh, maybe something that's in that hunting realm, but not directly, you know, turkey hunting. So um, where you want to start? You want to start at the at the head or <laughs> you start at the toe uh, about kind of stuff that uh, that we used Man, I'd say boots are one of the most popular things people talk about. We can start there. Yeah. What? Uh, we'll go with you first. What? What boots you you uh, literally running in uh, this year? So I have been flipping between boots for a few years. Where I'll go, I've got the lacrosse. Um, I think it's the agility snake boots. I think that's mm -hmm. the ones. Um, those are a rubber boot. So that purpose is for basically like a Florida only. I don't really wear those around home unless it's a ton of rain or um, we've got like a, a more of a knee high top situation going on. Um, I do wear snake gaiters with all my other boots. So I wear those turtle skins. I seem to like those. Okay. The bad part about uh, turtle skins is they're not waterproof. So your legs mm. are going to get soaking wet uh, eventually. But uh, the other boots I wear is I wear that Solomon 4G, uh, 4G, that's the Navy SEAL boot, basically. Yep. I think you, you've been wearing some of those too. Yep. 
Yeah, I've got that. And, uh, uh, I'll get to my boots here in a second, but yeah, I've had those for a few years now and I, I really like them. That's the most comfortable boot I own for mm-hmm. sure. And I think when you went to Montana a couple of years ago, uh, before we knew each other that well, you, you posted a gear thing and I was like, dude, be careful. You know, I went to Montana and I, I took those same boots and they leaked on me. Um, <laughs> so the, I guess the big thing is, is they're a synthetic and if mm-hmm. I got mine really, really icy and it ended up breaking through and I almost did. I mean, I almost got frostbite because we were kind of doing the tent wow. camp thing. It was like, it was kind of nasty. So, uh, but also... Yeah. Uh, I wear a leather boots. I, mean, I got too many doggone pairs of boots. I, I have some lows, <laughs> lows that I'll wear where the conditions are right. And I've had these boots for years. Uh, and then this year I also bought, uh, so this is the only pair of boots that I bought this year was a pair of snake boots, like the lacrosse knee highs mm-hmm. um, for my Texas trip. And yeah. they were okay. Like I'll basically wear them in Texas because I know that I'm not going to get wet, but I would not wear them in places where I'd get wet because they absolutely do leak. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah, I've only had a handful of boots, I guess, over the years. I remember back in the day, it was like muck boots from opening day to closing day. Deer season, turkey season, off season, everything. You went outside, you wore those dadgum muck boots. And when I started, uh, when I quit hunting them field edges around the farm and started walking around and doing a little bit more turkey hunting, I realized then things got hot and they were not fun to wear uh, out and about. So... I think I had a pair of Danner pronghorns for a couple of years. Those things were really good. And then, uh, like we talked about those Solomon 4D GTX, I forget. Yeah, the, that's it. That's it. I forget the algebra equation that, uh, that makes up the title of that boot. But uh, I really love those boots. But man, my feet get so hot. Mm-hmm. I, I had to make a switch uh, before last turkey season. So I, I still have those uh, GTXs or whatever for, you know, deer hunting, going out west or just cold weather whatever and i bought the solomon speed cross 5 trail running shoe it's it's a tennis shoe with knobby knobby treads on it is basically all it is and it literally it fits just like a tennis shoe it's kind of low profile uh it's ventilated all over the place not waterproof at all so but the good thing that i really liked about it you know i would put on a just a thin pair of merino socks and even if my feet got wet and it was cold out, my feet wouldn't get cold. So my feet would be wet, but they wouldn't be cold. So, you know, I, if I wanted to, I could stop, bring my socks out or keep an extra pair of socks in my vest or something. If I knew I was going to get wet and just change them out and I'd be just fine. And even if my feet were just soaking wet, it wouldn't be cold. And I never got any blisters or anything like that. Uh, and I love those things. I've had them for a couple of years now, uh, wore them. Warm New Mexico last year. I'm warm everywhere this year, Oklahoma and Montana and stomping around in Tennessee. And I absolutely love them. They're so lightweight and they're so comfortable. And uh, I also have the uh, the lacrosse, uh, the LaGrange or whatever, the classic yep. the rubber boots or whatever. I got, a, I got them in the camo though, instead of the green. But I started wearing those this year. I just bought those. I actually bought them for Florida and I did, ended up not being able to go to Florida. But I wore them a few times around home. Um, I think I wore them at the morning that you and I went hunting, uh, because I knew we were going to be in, you know, fields or just wet grass or just whatever. Oh, yeah. And, uh, they were really handy then. And I would wear them in the mornings and I would just keep them in my truck and just switch out, you know, whatever shoes that I needed for the occasion. So that's my boot situation. And I don't, I don't, I don't really foresee me changing anything either. Um, everything's been working good. Um, 
I don't I don't have any complaints about those things. I mean, my biggest thing is always like, does it keep the water out? And mm-hmm. you don't seem to be quite as sensitive <laughs> to the water situation <laughs> as I do. I think everything I mentioned is like, what well, my feet get wet, my feet get wet. <laughs> so, I mean, I go as far as like to have a, an extra set of boots and socks of the truck. Because if I don't, man, I'm just, I'm a limp about it. Yeah. Like, I gotta go get my feet dry. Yeah, some yeah, some people it just affects them differently. And when my feet get cold, yeah, I'm I'm in that same camp. But uh, if it's you know just cool enough or just warm enough that my feet just are going to get cold with a pair of socks or wool socks on, then I'm I'm good. And my feet never those shoes didn't rub anything. They didn't rub any blisters on me, so I was fine stomping around with wet feet. You know, so long as I didn't feel like uncomfortable, so I was good there. I was going to ask you, I'm glad you mentioned the Grange because it seems like that is probably one of the most popular turkey hunting boots that's out there. And to me, it looks like one of those, you know, those sloppy boots like, you you know, you put mm-hmm. on before you go out in the farm and you don't wear them all day. It's just like, I'm going to go milk the cow, which I didn't milk any cow, but it looks like the milk in the cow boot. Is yeah. it, Do they fit pretty good and snug? Mine fit really well. Once you stick your britches leg down in there, mm-hmm. I mean, they don't flop around and they have a... They've got a strap on the side, so you can snug them up if you want to. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I mean, mine mine just fit. They fit really well. I was really surprised at how well they fit, actually, once I got my foot down in there. Now, getting them out, if you was to get your foot wet, if you just was to get some water or something down in there, you might have some problems getting that foot out of there because they are. They just fit, you know, snug. But um, nah, no complaints for them yet. Nah, they've, uh, they rode around in my truck all spring. Uh, and I just pulled them out whenever I wanted them, and they did me well. Never, no complaints. All right, so if you had a new turkey hunter in front of you, never had a pair of turkey hunting boots, what are you going to tell them to get? Mm. Let's see. That's a good one because, you know, I think, you know, after several years or whatever, you kind of fine-tune kind of what you like in a boot. Yeah, I don't know what I'd really tell somebody. It'd be, I guess it, I know everybody hates the answer this this answer but it always depends um you know how much walking you're going to be doing i guess would be the first yeah, first question i'm gonna ask if you're gonna be doing a lot of walking you can get you a pair of muck boots and probably be fine for yep. the majority of the year um uh, and if you're not just some kind of hiking boot you know kind of a low low profile or three what's the what's the nomenclature like that right above your ankle kind of yeah. hiking boot you know nothing too crazy nothing too heavy uh, waterproof hopefully um especially if you're new if you unless you're like me you don't mind wet feet um i don't know and you can get a half decent pair of boots to stomp around and go turkey hunting in a walmart oh you know, yeah boots have come a long way uh, those grange boots pretty cheap i mean yeah they're not bad right 100 a little over 100 bucks oh I think. they're they're more expensive than i thought i was thinking I they're think like 60 or 70 right. maybe because i got the camo ones i don't know uh, but uh I mean, either way, yeah, that's a hundred, little over a hundred bucks ain't much for a good pair of boots. It's going to last you a while. I mean, and like you said, it's turkey hunting. We're not talking mm-hmm. about being in a deer stand all day. Don't need mm-hmm. some big insulate, like insulation. You're good. Just be yeah. comfortable. Figure out, like what you said, as far as how much hiking are you going to be doing? Do you want it to be waterproof? If you do, you got to start breaking it down. Do if I want a hiker, do I want a synthetic or do I want a leather? You know, I, mm-hmm. I have like. I have worn, and obviously, like I just named off all the boots I have, which is embarrassing. I have way more hunting boots than I have like shoes in my closet. Yes. <laughs> I'm like leaning towards now, like if I were to go out and buy a new pair of boots for myself, because I know what I want and I know what I like now, 
I need a good pair of snake gators because I'm more scared of snakes than this cuz Strickland. <laughs> and, and I need it. And I like leather boots. Uh, that's my two leather hiker. And I think that's where I've come to realize where my perfect boot is. And I go to the leather just because of what happened to me in Montana. Like you can mm-hmm. put snow seal on it. You can treat, uh, treat the leather and make sure, you know, you don't have big, yeah. big time disasters like I did with the Solomons. Yeah. That is a good thing about turkey. Hunting. I mean, you to go turkey hunting, you can get everything you need at Walmart. Oh yeah. From, from a cheap shotgun to a pair of boots, anything you get, you can go turkey hunting, just going to Walmart. So, so yeah. Uh, what about pants? You know, we'll work our way. Unless you want to talk about socks. I don't know if socks are that, that important. Uh, I mean, but do you wear Merino socks or do you care? Yeah. I, yeah, I like, I love Merino. I jumped yeah. on the Merino train with everybody else a handful of years ago and I hadn't looked back. So just are you thin. all first light or what do you have? I have a lot of first light. Uh, I've got a couple darn toughs. Um, I don't know. For a while there, I was like a sock nerd. I was buying socks all over the place. I had like an entire drawer full of just different brands of socks. I don't know what my problem was, but I guess because, uh, like I said a little while ago, my feet sweat so bad. So I guess I was just trying to find that perfect sock. And Makes it ended sense. up just being like just really thin, like hardly any cushion uh, Merino socks. And I've like even when it's halfway warm out, I'll wear like ankle socks with those uh, Solomons, those speed cross socks or those speed cross shoes. Um, so yeah, just thin pair of merino socks. And if you get wet, you, you ring them out or just keep their light. You can just keep an extra pair in the vest or keep a couple pair in the truck, whatever. So my and mine have seemed to have lasted for a very long time. Like I wear my first light merinos religiously through deer tur- deer season and turkey season mm-hmm. and i and a couple of them have wore out and i did like when i first bought them i think i bought like six pairs or something stupid but mm-hmm. that was actually a pretty good you know decision because now they've lasted me so long because i've rotated through them uh throughout this the season and, and it's held up so i've been very very yeah. pleased with merino socks yeah I've, I've got all of them i've got the ones that go over the calf i've got the crew socks and then i've got uh, like i said a couple of like ankle like short really short crew uh merino socks and i go through all of them depending on how cold it is um yeah. So, uh so yeah let's get on to pants let's do uh, it kind of pants you kind of pants you wearing these days all right so they're not as bad as my shoe selection but i do have some options through the years <laughs> um the I, I have tried the first light merino pant what is that the uh it's the obsidian obsidian those mm-hmm. things, if I were to say, what's the most comfortable pair of pants in my closet? It's 100%, without a doubt, those obsidians. I do not wear them through turkey season much for one reason, and that's because, again, wet. Look, when you get mm-hmm. the, the butt wet, dude, it's so hard to get those things to dry. And I was in Florida last, I guess, two years ago, whenever I went to Florida my first time and just got monsoon came and hit me. Dude, I don't think those things are still dry. Like they're still wet in there. <laughs> like they never dry, dried out. So the most comfortable pair of pants I have, though, we'll start there. Are those the? Uh, I've got a lot of first light stuff, so just just forewarning. Uh, but uh, are those are those the foundry? Are those the new ones? Or are those the older ones? Because I've got I've got a pair of both. I've I've had both, and these are the newer ones. Yeah. Oh, okay, the foundries because yeah. that was going to be my my go-to pants because i does, love those things does your butt dry i mean as far as i know I mean, <laughs> i've got some kind of weird aversion to water i guess <laughs> are you using your cushion <laughs> no well, there you go <laughs> not enough 
there you I mean, go. You sit on the ground, and it's going to soak up every bit of moisture out of that dirt. That's that's true. I'll go to my second pair. I got a pair of old Toms a few years ago, uh, the ones with the knee pads in it. And I really, really enjoy those pants. I would put them in the same like comfort class as First Light, um, except in the waist. They just kind of fit a little bit funny. Mm. Uh, so I don't like the way they fit in my waist, but other than that, it's a good pant that's durable. And I'll give my honorable mention to a pair of pants that I, I no longer like turkey hunt out of, and that's the QU Attacks, which mm. couldn't take me through the entire turkey season, not really comfortably because it'd get pretty hot after a while, but they do have hit vents. And man, as far as like a, a beat to heck, like abuse, comfort, um, Every, all the way around, I, I really love those QU attacks. That's a good pair mm-hmm. of pants. But old Tom is what I wear 90% of the time turkey hunting. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not trying to just plug first light, but I got a bunch of their stuff on discount uh, not too long ago, so I got a bunch of it. But uh, the other ones, I, I've always liked those Corgit God pants. Uh, I've always liked those. Those feel like wearing a pair of pajamas to me. They're so comfy to me. Um, Are those the ones that squish real bad, though? Like... The swishy swish. I hadn't noticed them. Okay. I don't, know, I, I don't deer hunt enough to pay attention to swishy clothing, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's where I noticed it. I, I had some, I think it was Corgis and man, it's just like they swish, swish, swish. I'm like, oh, it's windbreaker pants. Okay. I don't, I, I honestly don't think they do that bad because the material on the outside is just soft. It, it's soft now. Maybe I've washed them enough that they're soft, but uh, I, I think I had the first gens. Maybe that was why. Okay. Like the first first time they released them, I got you. I I really like those. I mean, they're for a, for like really hot weather. They might be a little warm, and yeah. I would I would wear those obsidians. But uh, for like a cool morning, and you, I don't even have to have a base layer on or anything. Man, those things are comfy. Uh, let's see what else. I I got those uh, the new um, the new ones. I just come out this year. Trace, I think, is what that one's called. The the pants and the quarter zip. And I started wearing those pants. I first wore them in Oklahoma. Hmm. And those things are super comfy, too. They've got the vents um, on the sides of them. What's it called? Um, the Trace, I think, is I think it's oh, right. Is it the, oh, it's the new First Light Southern gear. Yeah, I guess that's it's right. Like, well, that's how they marketed it. It's yeah. like to Southern hunters. Yeah. yeah. yeah the, the promos were like deer hunters in Florida. So yeah. it was like the, the hottest of the hot. But uh, I wore those. I wore those in Oklahoma, and I think I wore them a day or two, and I'm in Montana, and they're super comfy too. I don't know how durable they are. I hadn't been running through briars or anything in them yet. But as far as comfort and just walking around, hiking and whatever else, they're they're comfy. At first light stuff's hard to beat. It's it's good good quality. Yeah, I like it. I really like it. Uh, let's see what else we're going up. Um, any kind of do you wear any kind of specific special shirts, t-shirts. I know a lot of, a lot of guys, a lot of guys these days just wear, you know, the, the uh, leafy jacket over yep. whatever. Um, and actually this year, you know, I did that for a while and then I got to where, you know, I was just thinking, I was like, well, if I'm wearing camo long sleeves, I'm not even worried about that leafy jacket because by the time I put the vest on and I'm scrunching down, I got a gun, I've got my vinyl harness and whatever else. And my arms aren't really going to make that much of a difference if they got leaves on them or not. So when I would just wear like a t-shirt or something that wasn't going to cover my arms and wasn't camo, then yeah, I'd wear my, uh, my leafy uh, jacket or whatever. But other than that, 
I mean, it's just some kind of, you know, it'd be first light, but uh, a camo long sleeve shirt and, and I got to wear two. And if I, uh, if my shirts had those thumb holes or whatever mm -hmm. to kind of halfway cover up my hands, I wouldn't even wear my gloves. It would I cover up that. the majority. It would cover up the majority of my hands and my fingers would stick out. So basically I was wearing fingerless gloves. So I was, love those merino was, uh, shirts with the uh whatever you call them, like the hand mitt type things. Yeah. You, you really don't need gloves. Yeah. They're I comfy. And that that uh that trace uh that trace quarter zip or whatever that I was talking about, their sleeves are a little long. So they I mean it's not like stretching. Like if you put your hands in or put your foot thumbs in those holes or whatever and you like stretch mm -hmm. your arms out. It's not like stretching the material. It's they're cut a little long and uh, it's super comfy. But that stuff too, like I, I've got to where I love those quarter zips. You can just kind of zip every zip, unzip as far as you can and uh, cool off. Um, I don't know. They're I love those things. They're super comfortable. All of them. All the first light stuff. I totally agree. Uh, I jumped on that Dave Owens bandwagon of the leafy jacket quarter zip mm -hmm. that North Mountain gear and. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it like I'm just, you know, curiosity, like everybody started buying it. So I I guess I just jumped in there and did it, too. The reasons I like the leafy jacket is because I can wear a T-shirt under it. Mm -hmm. I can go bare chested under it. I can mm -hmm. layer way up and even have like a, you know, something different on under it. Um, but I really like the kangaroo pocket. There's like this kangaroo pocket right in front. So oh, I, yeah. like I'm very disorganized individual, but when I have that in there, <laughs> it's like, I got my headlamp. I know exactly where my gloves are, my face mask and three mm -hmm. shells, like yeah. my three shells that are going into my gun. Those mm -hmm. are the three. And then when I'm done hunting those three shells, I automatically stick them back into my kangaroo, zip it up. And I just, I know where all my crap's at. And the thing is yeah. doggone tough. Like I've had that mm -hmm. jacket, I guess since, I don't even know, maybe 2020, 2019. And I don't mm -hmm. know if I've got any holes in it. I've treated it like crap. Like yeah. it's a good, good hoodie. And I really enjoy that. I've got the, uh, the first light phantom or whatever leafy jacket. And it's, it, it's fine. You know, uh, the only complaint I had about it was the, my little leafs, I guess you would call them that were right next to the zipper were constantly Oof. getting hung up in that zipper. And I got to wear, I think this latest one, I just took a pair of scissors and I just snipped the tips off <laughs> all of them right next to the zipper to keep them getting hung in there. Um, uh, but uh, it doesn't have a hood either, which I, at first I kind of thought was, I wouldn't like it, but I mean, I don't ever think about it anymore. The old, uh, I used to have a, I don't even remember the brand. It was some other Walmart piece of Walmart leafy suit uh, piece that I got years ago. I think it was like the first like leafy anything that I'd ever bought. Um, but it was just this coarse mesh um, mossy oak, like I forget obsession, I guess, whatever yeah. the green, you know, the green, whatever pattern was. And um, that was so good. And just like you said, I could, I mean, I was killing turkeys in like basketball shorts underneath those pants. I had oh, pants yeah, I too. So you can wear whatever you can wear a white t-shirt underneath that thing and you wouldn't have to worry about anything seeing you. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the leafy jacket, if I'm just wearing a t-shirt or whatever underneath, uh, then I'll wear the leafy jacket. And if not, uh, then I'll just go camo long sleeves. I will tell you one of the things, uh, kind of jumping ahead maybe here about something that kind of surprised me at how much I really enjoyed wearing it was that uh, source jacket from first light. It's mm -hmm. like their, it's their white tail puffy jacket. 
So it's like a quote unquote quiet puffy jacket. Yep. And I don't know, I would wear that thing almost every morning because we had such good weather, you know, and, you know, all, all spring long, it was nice, cool mornings. I'd throw that thing on in the morning. And if it warmed up throughout the day, I could just, you know, just wad it up and stick it in the bag of my vest. But that thing was incredibly comfortable. I was surprised at how comfortable it was. Like even hiking around, like I could, I would unzip it like halfway or whatever and let it breathe a little bit. And I loved that thing. I was really sad. I had to put that thing up till fall because it is so comfy. I was really surprised. That's a nice, nice jacket. Not windproof, but it's like a good insulation, active piece for sure. It was just right for turkey hunting this year. So, um, let's dive into the wormhole of our vest, I guess. Mm, I like Uh, it. Uh, you've, uh, we, we've talked about it before. You got that Fox vest. Yep. Uh, you hunted with it. Did you hunt with it all season or did you kind of jump back and forth between a couple vests or what? Um, so I only hunted with the Fox and the grounded and I mean, the Fox vest, I'll tell you the things that I liked about it. I mean, for one, like it's hanging up in my office and it looks good. Like mm. it's a good looking vest, but mm. that has nothing to do with functionality. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'll say like, as far as functionality, the one thing I liked about it is when you're sitting down, it's like a nice firm sit. When I use my cushion mm. and I had my backrest, it's definitely one of the more comfortable vests that I've ever set in against a tree. But everything else about it was like, I didn't really like the leather straps because it felt like they were digging into my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I told you guys at one point, it felt like I was wearing a Kevlar uh, flak jacket on. It's because mm-hmm. it was like so heavy. It's just not like a functional vest. I think it's a vest that I'll pull out every juvenile hunt, like when my kids mm-hmm. are going with me. And when like Luke's big enough, be like, dude, I want you to kill a turkey out of this vest, right? Because it yeah, might be yeah. your vest someday. It's going to be something I'm going to mm-hmm. pass down and I'm never going to get rid of it, but it's a collector's item. So that that's kind of where I'm at on the Fox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard a few people describe that exactly. It, they, they would say it's a collector's item. Um, if uh, If you hunt a handful of days, a year probably on some private ground where you ain't got to move a whole lot. Oh, You're yeah. probably going to wear that thing every time you go out. Yep. But, uh, I hunt from just... a golf cart. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. If, uh, maybe you work for Bone Collector or something, maybe you hunt it off the golf cart there. Yeah. And small dig at Bone Collector. Small. But, uh, but yeah, man, that they, uh, they marketed that thing really well, though. I mean, oh, if, yeah. you got, if you got a numbered vest, you got, you got something. Now, if you got an unnumbered vest, uh, I would, I had my doubts of why somebody would pay that same price that you yeah. paid for your vest. Yeah. But I mean, I always say something's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. And they had no problem selling them that numbered or unnumbered. They may make more unnumbered someday. Who knows? But I don't know. The thing's a tank. Yeah. It's going to well, last you forever. I'll tell you what the Bob Dixon I've had, like, I've tried getting out of that thing for years because I knew what, like where the price was going on it, what it's worth as a collector's item. And I was kind of like, I don't want to keep using this. I like my kids, if they ever want to sell this thing someday, want it to be worth something. But mm-hmm. dude, that vest is actually pretty doggone comfortable and it's mm-hmm. designed pretty much the same way. It's just got the rubber straps, but the material is different and it just kind of like fits on me different. Um, I don't know how to explain that, but it's a much, much more comfortable vest to actually like 
function like turkey hunt out of. Not perfect mm-hmm. and not as good as the other one we'll talk about that I think yeah. personally. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, I mean, while we're at it, let's just jump on into the grounded vest and uh, tell us what you liked, didn't like, uh, your honest opinions on it. So I, I will get the honest opinions on it, but we'll also be honest up front and say like grounded sent us one of these. Like yeah. we didn't pay for these. Um, but I will honestly say, and this is hundred percent transparency. It is the most functional vest that I've used for me mm-hmm. and how it fits for me. There's things about it that I would personally change if I was going to design it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like it having an actual spot for a water bladder, which neither the Dixon nor the, the Fox, any Turkey vest I've ever personally owned in the past has never had a place for a dog on water bladder. <laughs> or or like even a, a bottle holder, which blows mm-hmm. my mind because you got to have water out there. Mm-hmm. And the grounded one is just the way like where it's at, the position of it is perfect. And so yeah. I really like that part. That was number one. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I, I like the the bird bag in the back. Yeah. Where like when I saw you on the, our juvenile hunt, how you were able to access gear quickly. Mm-hmm. And I've never been able to do that without taking my vest off. I was like, I need me one of them. And it's like, <laughs> it's a really functional deep, but with the the buckles, like you can actually use that. So that was another mm-hmm. thing I, I really enjoyed about it. Uh, the the Really the last thing I liked about it was the front pockets. I tried doing some self-filming this year. Like I carried a small uh, 360 camera and even like uh, for my phone tripod. So I mounted that up and I just tried to do mm-hmm. some things. If If I was like a full-time filmer, like, the grounded vest is absolutely perfect because these huge pockets up front, uh, plenty of places to organize like your slates, uh, uh, you know, pot calls, strikers, things you won't lose, uh, plenty of places for things to go where you, you want it to go. Right. Mm-hmm. So that I'll, I'll say the things I didn't like about it. The main thing was it, it kind of fit big, but it also had the ability to strap it or cinch it down. So I just cinched mm-hmm. mine all the way down and then tucked in the strap. So it kind of it goes probably one of those one size fits all and, and maybe fits a you know a guy that's built like a man instead of me <laughs> might <laughs> no, fit they, you better. No, they uh no, it was it was still a little big on me. Like when I I, I was the same thing. I think I sits down all my straps too. And uh I had the this is the 2.0 that we're talking about yep. uh tonight. I had the 1.0 last year. I think I had I had it for at least one season. I don't know if I had it for two. Well, they just came out with it like before last oh, season or something, didn't they? I think they they may have launched it right at the beginning of this year. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't remember the uh, sure. the 1.0. It hadn't been out long. Of course, you know, the grounded hadn't been out very long, uh, period. Yeah. But um, I really liked I really liked 1.0 and didn't have many complaints or any complaints really about it that I know of, except, you know, the straps were long, which, you know, looking back, it was anybody, anybody could wear this vest. Literally, you know? <laughs> literally anybody could wear this vest. And then when we got the, uh, the 2.0s, you know, the buckles had been updated and he had a couple other updates in there that, uh, that kind of helped things out. The, uh, the seat, man, the seat magnet on this grounded vest <laughs> is worth every penny huh. that you pay for the vest itself. Because let me tell you, you know, I had the, uh, alps grand slam vest or whatever before it had to frame i ended up taking that frame out or whatever but but still it had the little tiny buckles on the uh on the sides and it had like little bitty there i mean they honestly weren't that little they were probably about twice the size of a half dollar i guess um magnets 
but they were just so hard to line up. Like, I forget what the picture is. It's like of a contortionist, like twisted up in a knot. Is the caption was like, "This is what you have to do to latch your turkey vest," you know, nowadays or whatever. And that was it. I could never get the dad blame thing to connect with the magnets. And so then I'd end up like having the one buckle, uh, like on the side. I'd have to twist around and try to buckle those little bitty buckles with gloves on, and I would the vet the Alps vest was comfortable but it was heavy and i cussed that seat so here comes grounded with this giant <laughs> i don't know how many pounds this magnet will hold on the on the back of this vest but when it snaps it snaps and it holds there i don't recall ever having that seat getting knocked off that magnet just stomping through the woods or anything and nope. when you go when you when you sit down you can just pull it down and sit down and when you get up just flip that seat up you might have to search around for like half a second but man it don't take much and that thing just locks right into place so that was the that was the number one thing i loved about it and then um i did like the organization you know i don't i don't think i carry that much stuff you know i don't carry any film any film stuff but uh just organization of calls you know a couple pot calls and a couple strikers i don't use a box call anymore but i keep my pruners down in there um place for shells a little pocket knife i'm trying to run through stuff that i stuck in my vest headlamp um sandwich bag toilet paper in it um my water bladder so for years i would carry a water bladder that alps the alps vest i had had a place for water bladder too and the grounded vest I don't know. I don't know if it was just because I would fill this water bladder up. Like I would have four liters of water in this water bladder and go light out. Uh, but I don't know if it was the weight of that water bladder, you know, in that vest, it was kind of like pulling the top or pulling the front of the vest up. Yeah. And so the grounded uh, has that chest strap going across there and it would just ride up. And like I said, I don't really think that's a fault of grounded. Uh, I don't, I don't know if other vests do that. I just, I just don't know. But that was just a, uh, a that was just something that I noticed. So I ended up ditching my Camelback, and I just went to Amazon, and I got this. Let's see, it's like a twenties. I want to say it's like a twenty something ounce uh, bladder slash bottle. It's like a little water bladder uh, yeah. with a spout on it that you can drink out of. And when that thing is empty, I think it weighs like two ounces. It's like super tiny and it was, you know, it's just like a bladder. So it was like flexible and didn't like crinkle like a plastic bottle. So I could shove that thing into one of those big front pockets of my grounded vest. And I think I would like stick it in a pocket like that. I don't need something out of. So I think I'd stuck it in the same pocket where my, my head, my face mask and my gloves were. So I would just open my, take my, face mask and gloves out my water bladder or my water bottle would be in there and I would never like reach in there for anything else so I don't know I made the switch to that and <laughs> it probably cut down my water intake I probably didn't drink enough water but man let me tell you I was much more comfortable <laughs> walking around because I didn't have this strap you know kind of riding up and trying to choke me to death but um now that's one thing I did you know and uh let's see what else about that vest well, you're, yeah. well, you're doing that. I can hear you. I'm going to go grab mine because I bought one too. And this thing is worth like name dropping because it's yeah. such a cool purchase. I'll be right. Yeah. You dog. 
Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, uh, let's see. Now the call, it's got the, uh, the call pouches, you know, in the front there with the magnets, there's, uh, I don't know that there's hardly any, there may be one piece of Velcro on the inside of one of those pockets. Like I think it's the box call pocket or whatever that has a little piece of Velcro, but there are a couple little magnets for your uh, mouth calls. Um, let's see, I keep my pruners in there. What else do I keep in there? Headlamp. Oh, and another thing I keep in there, I don't do any filming or anything, but I did get like this little uh, flexible tripod that I can mount my phone on for like pictures, you know, field pictures. I got that stuff down in one pocket and I got this other, like uh, it's a phone mount, like a, it's like a three foot stake, you know, that screws together. I originally had it in my mind that I could film a few hunts like that with my phone and just stick that thing beside me and, and film a couple hunts. But of course, you know, in the moment, I never thought to set the thing out, but it does take some uh, really good field pictures because I get a little bit of height up, up off the ground. You know, I can stick that thing in anywhere. Uh, but I got that in the vest too. Um, I carry a wing, you know, just a dried wing. I carry that in the game pouch. And then if I do throw a decoy in there, I think I threw that Jake decoy when uh, you, Luke, and I were hunting. It fit in there really nice. Like oh, yeah. I could blow the, I could blow that Jake decoy up, stick it in that bag, and it would be fine. That the bag on the back of that thing, you can let those straps out. You can carry a car door in that thing. It's that huge. thing's huge. Yeah, thing's big. So if you carry a lot of stuff, it's it's got the places to put it. All right. So that water bladder, which you mentioned, and I bought one too. And I bought it because when I took the kids out, like I had water for me, but they didn't have any vests on. And I was like, crap, we're all sharing water. And sure enough, like one of them was <laughs> sick. And I'm like, man, now all of us gonna be sick now because we all drink out of the same water. So I ended up going to REI like to figure this solution out too. And I picked up the same thing you did, I guess. It's called a Hydra Pack. H-Y-D-R-A-P-A-K. And it mm -hmm. like folds into absolutely nothing. And so yep. now like I can just throw that in the back of my vest, which I didn't use it uh just for my water because I didn't think about it. Like I just I was so happy to have a water bladder holder now. I was like a kid in a candy store, like, oh, I can wear a water bladder all of a sudden. <laughs> Look how cool mm -hmm. I am. I can be hydrated. Mm -hmm. uh, but when the kids did come with me, like I, I threw that in there for Luke and mm -hmm. you'd have plenty of water. Yeah, I, you know, I still have my camelback and I'll put it in my my deer vest or my deer uh, pack or whatever when I go out west or going hiking or just whatever. And I've got one of those inline water filters. So yep. what I did when I did have that camelback, it was nice just to go to the creek and fill that thing up. And I'm honestly am not that concerned about uh, water contamination, especially if it's running water over a few rocks. <laughs> Probably not as careful as I should be, but that filter was there in case uh, it, I eventually got bit in the butt by it. Um, but yeah, just uh, the grounded vest also has those little uh, straps, the little elastic straps on the uh, the shoulder straps so you can yeah. run your, your, uh, your uh, nozzle and hose through there. Uh, let's see what else. You mentioned some things like maybe like out of the ordinary. I mean, not everybody would think about like camp camping top gear. You guys did some camping. Yeah, we did a little bit of camping out in Montana when we hunted some public ground. And uh, it's always stuff that intrigues me. I still like listening to to gear, gear stuff, you know, in the off season uh, camp gear. Uh, I do a couple backcountry, you know, through hikes or whatever with a couple buddies uh, a couple times a year. So the, uh, 
<laughs> our camp set up uh, on the Monta on the Montana trip wasn't anything spectacular, but it was just like a three person Coleman, you know, that Jacob and I slept in and uh, Parker slept in the suburban. He had I was going to say, where'd you stick Parker? <laughs> he had the most expensive camping uh, facility unknown to man uh, in that suburban. But um, for like real lightweight stuff, uh, Jacob and I actually went in on a uh, backcountry teepee tent. And that's something that, that people don't really think about. Like if you got somebody that you hunt with a lot, go mm -hmm. in on, go in on some stuff. And Jacob and I's reason for going in on this thing was that we either, we were either both going to be able to use it, you know, at the same time on a trip, or there was going to be a situation where one of us couldn't go on said trip, but the other one could still take it, you know, and, you know, vice versa. So we just split the costs. I forget how much this thing cost. And then we got a, one of the, the titanium stoves with it too oh dang oh that thing is nice let me tell you so when it gets down to like 20 something degrees and you got wet gear and every everything's wet you fire that stove up and get nice and toasty in there and then you get it fired up um fill that thing full of wood before you go to sleep and you get you, i mean it's not gonna i don't think that thing's gonna last all night long yeah but you'll get a handful of hours of like good toasty sleep um so that's something to think about, even if you're just car camping or whatever, uh, get you one of those and one of those stoves or whatever. Well, which tent did nice. you guys end up with, the TP style? It wasn't Seek Outside, which is what most people are thinking about. This one is, the brand is Canadian. I think it's called Light Outdoors, L-I-T-E. Hmm. And we've got okay. this, I think, and we bought it used. We bought it for some guy that uh, was going to take it elk hunting or whatever and uh, he bought it specifically for this trip and he had some guys back out, excuse me. So he, he basically had this giant tent for one person and he's like, I don't need this thing. So he sold it. And so Jacob and I got a pretty good deal on it. Um, so it's a five person tent, which means, you know, two people and some gear comfortably, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know how that is. Um, but I mean, it's easy to set up. It's, it doesn't take but a few minutes to set up. It's got a lot of guy outs on it. So if you're in a place with a lot of trees, um, you can tie those sides out and just make it really roomy in there. Hmm. The um, the titanium stove doesn't take up a lot of room. It's uh, it's nice. It's floorless, though. Um, I do want to get a nest for it eventually because of um, rain and whatever else that could get in there. But yeah. I really like it. I'll go back to my snake phobia. That's one of the things that I, I have against like the TP style is I guess the versatility and uh, not being able to zip that sucker up and keep the rattlesnakes out. Um, that, that's my <laughs> only one big thing with the Florida's tents. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, there is that. And actually when you pack it down, I'm trying to think of how, how much it packs down. It doesn't really pack down as small as you would probably really want it to be for, a back a backpack style tent it's like i don't know i think it's like maybe 16 inches long by five inches you mm. know in diameter or something like that with the poles and stuff in there so it's not that small but i mean you could split split your pole and stakes up you know, between two people and be okay but i uh a buddy of mine told me about this other backpacking tent it's called the lanchen l-a-n-s-h-a-n i think it's I think it's the brand or the type or whatever. <clears throat> but anyway, it's a two-person tent that uses trekking poles as mm. the tent poles. And it's like less than 200 bucks. 
It's got a nest in there. Um, it had really good reviews. I haven't used it yet. I just got it. But uh, I hope to try it out sometime this summer. But as far as packing this thing down, like I got it in the mail last week or a couple of weeks ago, and it packs down to like the size of a Nalgene because there's, there's no poles. Oh, so the stakes yeah. are in there. And uh, it's got the it's got the nest and the rain fly. Everything's in this compact little thing. And if you're going hiking or whatever, and you got your trekking poles anyway, then man, that that thing I'm hoping is the ticket. So, so talk to what's a nest. You you keep mentioning nest. Is that like your floor or is that like a? Yeah, I guess the back? nest. I guess the nest is more for the TP style floorless tents, and that okay. <clears throat> it's like a liner, I guess, hmm. for the. For these uh, TP tents, and then this lanchion is like—I don't know if I don't know if even the nest is the right terminology, but it's like a like you're like if you envision like a Coleman tent, you know the reg, the tent itself is just like mesh and the poles and whatever else, and then you got the rain fly over that. Yeah. Um. So this is what that lanchion is. It's just like that, except the two um, trekking poles you put on each end of the tent. And it almost kind of looks like those old school um, uh, military frame. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of looks like that. That's literally what we had in the Marine Corps when I joined uh, yep. in the beginning. And that's, you, you get, couldn't keep the snakes out of that sucker. <laughs> you, uh, you might have trouble with this one. Then, so <laughs> Shoot. I don't know how snake proof it is, but I'll, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll let you know. I kind of hope I don't have to let you know how I snake mean, proof it is, but, uh, you got to watch out in your yard. So, but as far as like camp, as packing down and uh, like taking it with you, like on a on a travel trip, like even yep. flying, you could save that thing in a suitcase. Oh, that's and it that's would, ticket. It wouldn't take up any more room than your shaving kit. Huh. And uh, let's see, staying on camp stuff. I uh, my sleeping pad. I've got the climate, whatever the wide one is called, like Lux or something. I forget. I forget all these names. But anyway. It was, I mean, it's less than hundred bucks. It's pretty cheap. But, and you need a pad. Like for guys that's going to do this first yep. time, get your daggum sleeping pad. Get you a pad. Get you an inflatable pad. Yep. I just don't have that good experience with those foam pads. Um, They may be good for some extra insulation underneath your uh, uh yeah. insulated pad, but, or your uh, inflatable pad. But as far as a pad by itself, get you an inflatable pad. And I got the wide one because I had the narrow one before I don't know. I'm just, I'm too wide. My elbows would just fall off the sides of it. So I got the wide one and it's a lot, lot better. Uh, but it packs down pretty, pretty slim too. Maybe about the, a little bit bigger than an Algene. Yeah. Um, because of the, because it is a little wider, but that's a good one to have. Uh, I updated or upgraded my sleeping bag to the uh, Nemo Disco 15. So it's like a, it's a, mummy style but it's they call it like a spoon shaped mm. so it's good for like side sleepers so when you get in a if you get in like a regular mummy sleeping bag which is like the one i used to have <clears throat> and you get on your side like your shoulders would just pin up against the sleeping bag and so there goes your insulation because you're mashing it down this nemo this disco i mean it didn't lose any loft no matter where where i laid or what position i was in it had this flap kind of at the top of it. It was almost like a blanket. Um, so there were all kinds of good features about it. And I used it first in Montana. Um, 
and I have zero complaints. It got it got cool in Montana. It got down into the 30s, I guess, but I never got the least bit cold. Like I would just wear I wore my pants on like a light long sleeve shirt to bed. Like I didn't layer up or anything to go to bed, and super super comfy. Uh, let's see. Oh, can't a pillow? Like mm. I don't care. Like pillow is one of the most underrated things in your camp setup. I think, and uh, I I have the I got it at Academy. It's like the Magellan whatever, like fold up camp pillow oh, yeah. or whatever. It ain't bad, uh, but it needs a little something up under it, you know, because it's kind of kind of thin. So I got the when I got back from Montana and I realized I needed I needed some more pillow. Um, I got the Sea to Summit inflatable pillow. And what's cool about this Nemo sleeping bag, it's got a slot for a camp pillow. Oh, and nice. so I tried it out. So when I when I ordered this inflatable pillow, I like stuck it into I had it uh not inflated yet. I stuck it into this slot and I could blow it up and it would just fit nice and snug in that slot. And I could throw my my Magellan, my cheap camp pillow on top of that. And let me tell you, I laid in the floor when I when I got it and, I, and tried it out. That thing's comfy. And uh so I think about I finally got my camp, my camping gear all uh, dialed in finally. So yeah, camp pillow is highly underrated and you need to get one. Like I try I Went for a long time just like rolling up a jacket or something and trying oh, to yeah. sleep on it. I'm too old for that. I'm I'm either getting too old, too soft. I don't I don't know what you you really call it, but I need I needs a pillow nowadays. I'll tell you my worst camping gear mistake is I went to Colorado on elk hunt and I decided I was gonna be like I was gonna go super lightweight, right? And I had no reason mm-hmm. to be super lightweight because we didn't like backpack in. We still slept like. 50 yards from the truck, but I ended up buying one of these quilts because I was like, oh man, you know, like if we decide to get back back in, I'll I'll have one of these quilts. I froze my butt (laughs) off every night. Like, I don't think I slept three hours that entire trip. So I I would say, you know, you hear people say it, talking about test your gear before you take it. That's one piece of gear. I Well, actually I did test it. I just didn't test it in the right conditions. Like it didn't get that cold <laughs> in September in Tennessee uh, as it was in Colorado. So uh, yeah, I just, that was a bad, bad mistake. And I would say like anybody doing a camp camping trip, going to Montana, something silly like that, test your dadgum gear. Yeah. We, we kept all of our camp gear in this, um, <clears throat> this big North face duffel. So, and that was real easy to just kind of keep everything organized and, it, uh, I mean, for three people, there's like three sleeping bags and a couple tents, you know, pillows or just whatever, all that stuff can fit in a big duffel. And it's not that hard to take with you, you know, when you, even when you fly somewhere. So that was like one check bag. So it's not hard to take stuff with you in camp. And if you're just going to camp in the car or whatever, I mean, just take a sleeping pad. We'll roll up, you know, like I said, about the size of a Nalgene or maybe a little bigger. You can shove that in one of your bags and have a good you know, pad to sleep on, uh, even when you're car camping. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought up the the duffel bag. I think I actually, I think it was one of your posts I commented on because I've been looking for a duffel with rollers for the airport because everybody I go hunting with always like they got a big duffel and like, that's like the perfect thing to travel and hunt mm-hmm. with, especially in an airport. So do you have one with rollers? Is that what that is? No, nah, and I wish it did, but it mm-hmm. does not. Um, 
the next one I buy will. Every, everything I buy for travel from now on is going to have some wheels on it. Oh, yes. I just, I just got a uh, got a 90-quart cooler with wheels on it uh, last year, and that thing is a dream. Rolling up to the check, check bag thing and uh, rolling out to and from rental cars or just whatever else. So anything you buy from now on, if you're going to travel any yeah. any amount, get it with wheels. Let me tell you, get it. Even with your wheels. gun case. Yes, especially yeah, the gun case. I think the gun case I have is one of those Pelican double guns or whatever. It's like real yep. wide and thick or whatever. It's it's heavy, but man, it's it's been through some abuse. You know, flying through the air uh, for a handful of years, and it's man. got wheels on it, uh, and the locks. I think uh, TSA doesn't really care if you have the TSA locks anymore. I think I heard that recently, but someone may need to confirm that. The reason is they didn't want, so the reason they did, they don't want the TSA locks or they don't require the TSA locks anymore is because everybody in TSA has a key to that lock. If it's a TSA lock and if it's a regular lock or whatever, then you have the key to it. The only drawback is when you go to check your guns at the airport they tell you to hang around for a few minutes and they'll give you the go ahead after a few minutes, I guess after it goes through the scanners or just whatever. So if you're really pressed for time, that's something to think about. So show up to the airport early and just be prepared to just hang out for a few minutes while they scan it. And then you'll be on your way. But I've, I've never, I've never waited more than like 10, 15 minutes for anything like that. So I'll say that there's one airport that's different. It's San Antonio. If you go to San Antonio, you if you do not have TSA locks, they will take you back to a TSA check-in room with other hunters. And San Antonio is a pretty, uh, you know, hunter-friendly destination. Uh, so there is a wait there. So if you're planning on going to San Antonio, either get you some TSA locks or be prepared to wait. That was one thing mm-hmm. I ran into this year. And, and the guys I was with was like, you got a TSA locks? I'm like, no, I've never needed it. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, you do in San Antonio, are you going to have to wait? So that's one. So some airports are just different. No kidding. I've never heard that. And I figured Texas would I figured Texas would let you carry them in a carry-on. Oh, they they were actually they were the coolest about it too. Like they were like, oh man, let me see gun, you know, that's cool, camo, yeah. all that good stuff. <laughs> they, they were different. They weren't uh libs, libs of yeah. the airport. <laughs> yeah, you never know who you're gonna run into. That's and that's why, you know, when when I roll up to the airport with and I'm checking guns, I have my gun locks on there and I've got like the bolt you know, drawn back or half, I've got the gun halfway taken apart. Yeah. Uh, Cause you just never know. Cause somebody could just be having a bad day and not want to let you on that plane for any kind of nitpicking little reason. So don't be smart. Just be as nice as you can be and just set up, set up everything to where when somebody looks at that gun and they've never seen a gun in their life, yeah. they can pretty much put together that, okay, there's enough locks and there's enough parts and different, parts of this case that it's probably not going to hurt anybody. So I would, yeah, travel, I, I would, I would say invest in a good gun case, you know, yeah. just like that Pelican. I forget what I paid for it, but it's been worth every penny. Um, because those, uh, those bag check guys, they treat everything like hay bales. And when you see gun cases and suitcases and everything else get thrown up on those belts, you're going to want a really good gun case for all your stuff to ride around in. Yeah, makes me wish I'd uh, shot my gun after I got back from San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! What other travel gear, man? Um, I'm trying to think. You know, I travel a lot for work, so 
Oh, oh, one thing that's really good to have, and you can get these on Amazon for like, I think I got mine for less than 20 bucks, is um, just uh, boot dryers, like little portable boot dryers. Yeah. They, um, these have, uh, they're like two probes are about three inches wide by eight or 10 inches long. You know, there's two of those on in a little cord. You just plug it in the wall and stick them down to your boots. So if you're, if you're at a hotel or anywhere with electric, uh, stick those things down in your boots at night. And like I said uh, earlier about my shoes getting wet, man, yeah. those those boot dryers dry them up overnight. And it's you'll start the day off a lot better with a nice warm pair of boots versus a cold, wet pair of boots from the day before. And everything just rolls better after that. It's the, like demoralizing, man. It'll just take you down to new lows, especially if you're on like a hard, hard hunt and mm -hmm. your feet are wet and cold and you haven't been able to get them warm and dry. Yeah. There, it, that pays dividends. That's a yeah. good one. Yep. No, I bought that. I actually bought those for work several years ago, and they stay in my suitcase. And I use them for work because you know my work boots or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm out on job sites, concrete plants or whatever. My feet get wet. My feet sweat or just whatever. And man, it's a uh, it is a life changer for the road. Let me tell you. See, here I was thinking, like, we're both traveling for work doing sales, and you're actually, like, wearing man boots and doing manly things. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I'm worried about my feet getting wet so much more than you are. <laughs> I've got my penny loafers on. <laughs> yeah, if you look clean in the construction industry, they hardly anybody yeah. gives you the time of day. You got to you got to show up to the job site looking like you've been there before. Yeah. And uh, if you have if you have drug problems and uh, mental health issues, that just gets you further in the construction industry. <laughs> fit right in, get a sleeve tattoo, neck yeah, tattoo, that's right? Monster Energy drinks. Oh my gosh! All right, what about calls? What'd you get this year? Something different? What are you running? So this year, I bought a bunch of different mouth call brands. Um, I still bought from my regular, you know, Appalachian Custom Calls. I still kept a couple of those in my vest. Um, let's see what else. I got Cluck. I think the ones I used the most this year were Cluck, K-L-U-K. Which stretch hand. did you like? The low stretch. Okay. I thought I would like the high stretch, but yeah. the cool thing about those calls you can get low, medium, or high stretch. And I think I got the, I got all three in whatever cut that I got. And I ended up going with the low stretch. And I think it was the smoking hen or whatever that kind of looks like um, their cuts are crazy. I don't even know how to describe them. Oh, yeah. They're fun. They're not, they're not conventional, or most yeah. of them aren't. But this one is like, they kind of look like fangs, I guess. because And the tips of the fangs kind of hang out over the reeds. That's like their top reed. And it gives you like just barely barely any rasp which is what i like yeah uh i don't like a whole lot of rasp but i use that thing more this year than anything it was just really good for soft calling whistles and whines and purrs and little tree yelps and just real quiet stuff um it was really good i used their bat wing too i forget what it's called but it was a low stretch too um i really liked it the i did use the jb special from uh, honeycomb um that was really good uh let's see what else i kept so i kept those three in like one pocket of uh my grounded vest you know mm -hmm. the grounded vest has two call pockets so i would keep those three those those were my primary calls i'd keep those in my right pocket and then in my other pocket were like backups and i'm trying to even remember what all was in there that was just if either i lost the other ones or i needed to 
dig a little deeper into the tool bag, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the Penhody Ghost was in there. Uh, there was a Rolling Thunder game calls. I think one of their ghost cuts was in there. Appalachian was in there. I forget. A bunch of different ghost cuts were in there. But one thing I've done, one thing I did last year, and I did with all my ghost cuts this year, was I snipped the corners off of every one of those ghost cuts. Really? Yep. Where they come down, it comes down to like that uh, that Omega yep. kind of symbol or whatever, where those little points come together. I took a tiny little pair of scissors and I snipped the tips off those things to get a little rasp out of it. Because I've said it before, just, I don't know, the way, the way my mouth works, it just seems like every call I pick up has too much rasp for Same. my liking. And I've, I've got to the point now, too, that I think everybody's mouth is like a fingerprint. I think just there's no one call that's going to fit everybody. Yeah. So I've just tried to modify a couple calls that would that would does, uh, suit my fancy. And so that's what I started doing. I did that with an Appalachian custom call last year. And I, at first I thought I'd ruined it, um, but it ended up being like one of the sweetest calls that I've ever, I've ever uh, ran. Hmm. And then, uh, so then I started looking for companies and I was messaging different companies about what's your lowest rasp call. And I would just get the, get that call from each company that I talked to. And uh, Cluck ended up being, uh, it was almost just like a double read with barely top read, you know, the way I was describing it. So yeah. it was virtually little to no overhang from that top read. And there was hardly any rasp in it. I think I would get more rasp from just my voice or my tongue or my mouth or just whatever. I think the rasp would come more from that than it would actually the turkey call. So... But either way, however it worked, it worked. And uh, I'm going to probably get that same call again next year. So, well, yeah, yeah, I really yeah. liked it. Mm -hmm. What about you? Any mouth calls that you liked this year? Um, I jumped on that cluck bandwagon because you and Parker talked so much about it. And I really liked the way those fit because um, I, I don't have like a huge palette, but I also don't have a small one. It's like kind of it's just weird like mm -hmm. and i even bought a a press last year to start making my own mouth calls and i still can't get it right right mm -hmm. so like i went through the clucks they were pretty good um i ended up like in that pinhody ghost the yeah. most out of anything it just bit my mouth better um than anything else i did have a little bit a little bit too much like back end rasp kind of like what you're talking about mm -hmm. um but now I'm going to try to snip those suckers off. Season's over. I got a couple yeah. of them. So now I'm just going to keep keep one, cut it off, and see see what the difference is in doing that. So uh, I I haven't hit, like, I think, like, the way that I call or, like, the progression of where I'm good, I don't have, like, that good, real good front-end uh, high note on a Yelp. Mm -hmm. to, and then, like, that back-end rasp is too much. So, like, to find something that fits me, and I'm, like, real picky about that. So like mm -hmm. hearing you this year doing more of your feed and stuff, like I honestly embraced that the rest of the season. Like I yelped less than I've ever yelped in, mm -hmm. in a season and was quieter than I've ever been. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I still like to find something that, you know, I can get a nice crisp yelp out of. Like let's hunt with Taylor that last mm -hmm. weekend of the season, dude, that dude, that dude can sling a yelp. And I'm like, hey, got <laughs> All right. You making me want to. You making me want to fire one up. <laughs> so, um, but other than that, I got that uh, Tom Turpin 
um, Yelper. So mm-hmm. that trumpet call, that yeah. was pretty cool. I, I mm-hmm. added that. And although it doesn't sound real good, like right up next to you, you back 50 yards plus, yeah. man, those things sound so sweet in the woods. Yeah. One of the one of the guys I hunted with in Oklahoma, Eric Lights, he actually gave me my first wing bone call that I've ever had. And he had a he would blow a wing bone call and it was just exactly like you described. Like up close to him, you kind of questioned like how good of a turkey call it was. But once yeah. you stepped away, got off in the woods or whatever, things sounded really good. And uh so I did I used that a couple of times in Oklahoma to try to get a couple of turkeys to gobble. And I think I did. I don't think I like called one in with it. But uh, I started messing around with that, so that was pretty neat. And uh, I also have a, a tube call, like one of those Primos, oh, know, yeah. whatever, off-the-shelf tube calls, and started messing around with it. And uh, I think I got a turkey to gobble once or twice at it, but it was, I think it's another one of those things where it's just there if I just want to play with it one day. I don't yeah. have, I don't even have it hanging around my neck. Like, it's just in my vest, you know, if I just want to dig it out, play with it. Um. As far as pot calls, I've still got the same HS Strut Little Deuce Walmart special that I've had for 20 years. Sounds good, too. Oh, that thing is so sweet. It's the best little sound and slate call uh, ever. And like the the Lynch box call I have, um, my dad got it for me. That's my first turkey call I've ever gotten. And I had a couple of years ago or a few years ago, I just decided like, I don't use this thing enough and I don't want it to get broken while I'm messing around out here one day. So the Lynch box call got retired, you know, here at the house and it just resides next to my turkey mounts or whatever. But the, uh, the, the little deuce, that little old uh, slate call, the 20 something year old slate call is still riding around in my turkey vest and I'll keep it forever. Like I hope, I hope I wear it out one day and have to retire it. But until then I'm going to keep using that thing. And then I think I got a, uh, I got a houndstooth, like I think it's crystal or something. Mm-hmm. I bought it before I went to Nebraska a few years ago just because it's loud. And uh, i tell you something. I don't know if it, if I'm dumb for this or what, but when I bought, this was the first crystal call I'd ever bought. And so when you buy a crystal call, it's conditioned like one little spot, you know, yeah. like up at the top. And it's like, okay, I guess that's just where I have to call from. Well, dummy me, it wasn't but a few, <laughs> several or a few years later, I was like, why don't I just condition the entire surface, the slate of this call, so I can actually use more of it? Because I'm an idiot thinking that I had to keep it nice and pretty and just use that one little spot. No, nah, heck no, man. I just got me a big old piece of sandpaper and I <laughs> scratched up the entire surface. But let me tell you, that thing just that thing came alive then. And I could I could go around to different spots and it sounds a lot better now. So uh I don't know if it I don't know if I'm the only one that's ever thought that, that you had to keep a crystal call or some kind of glass call or whatever, nice and pretty and just have that one little spot. But man, I just, I, I ruined the appearance of it because now it just looks like a regular old turkey call, but it was it a pretty cool call. Like that. Yeah. 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 But now the whole thing is all scratched up, but it sounds real good. And um, I think I still got the old Walmart strikers uh, that I've had for years that I've always used. Nothing and special. Nothing special. They keep working. Um, I'll say one of the calls that I'm most impressed with is one I didn't buy for myself. I had a buddy buy it from me, but he bought me a David Halloran box call this year. And dude, like I'm not a big box call guy, although I have way too many, man, there is a difference in like mm-hmm. having a, a decent box call or a Primo's box call 
and a freaking David Halloran. That thing sounds really, really good. So it's not something I'll probably take in the woods a lot because it's like my Fox vest. It's kind of a collector's item now. It's just sitting here in my office, but I'd hate to lose that thing. I'd cry mm-hmm. since it's a gift, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Oddly enough, I just haven't jumped on to collecting turkey calls. I just, it hadn't, just hadn't bit me yet. But the one call that I've seen a couple times this past spring that I have seen in years past, it's an old scratch box call. Mm. And I never really thought about it. I, I never even crossed my mind. But for some reason, a couple times this year, they've come across, I don't know, whatever, turkey hunting Facebook group or whatever, and somebody would have one. And a couple of those guys running those scratch box calls sound better than any pot call and any box call that I have ever heard. And it perked my ears up. And that may be what I do this off season is kind of find me a scratch box call because those things just sounded really, really sweet. Well, you'll have to run that on a podcast for us. Hear that one. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Was there a surprise piece of gear? Something in your vest maybe people aren't thinking about that you got this year or in the past that you'd like to highlight? It's kind of hard to say because I don't think I carry that much stuff. Um, And especially from like one year to the next, I haven't really changed a whole lot of stuff. I don't know. That that little water bladder was surprising at how much I liked it. The the source jacket uh, really surprised me. Uh, let's see. I think as far as, you know, anything that, that was relatively new. Yeah. I think those are it because everything else I had, I've had before. Um, can't really think of anything else. That's about it for me. What about you? I'm guessing like, uh, for me, not everybody's probably going to want to do this, but I ended up splurging and got one of those Insta 360 cameras where Mm. I could just stake it beside me and forget about it. Man, just like some of the memories that I was able to capture, um, not only with like Luke and our hunts and our interactions, like I let him like when we were out together, he'd run it. You know, he'd be vlogging mm-hmm. and talking and and go back and watch that and like all his <laughs> shenanigans. That's like my favorite memories of turkey season right now is just like the Luke shenanigans on that thing. Um, but also like, you know, I had some really cool hunts and getting to relive those. And although it's not parker style videos where mm-hmm. uh our, our dave owens not getting the, the turkey necessarily on film you get a lot of the sights the sounds and some of those memories which i'm not going to share with anybody but me but man it was a mm-hmm. lot of fun yeah i got to mess with parkers when we were at montana uh when it'd be my turn up to bat or whatever he'd uh tell him to just stick his stick his 360 in the ground next to me and he would basically say every time something cool happens you know, click this button a couple of times and uh, the way it worked, I guess in, in loop mold, uh, loop mode, the way he described it to me, I'm about to let y'all know just how not tech savvy I am. Um, he said, yeah, when it's on this loop mode, every 10 minutes, it, it records over itself. Unless you go up there, stop the recording, it'll save that recording and then you can start it again. So basically he said, every time something cool happens, click this button and then click it again and it'll save that clip that, you know, the previous 10 minutes or whatever. So that was really cool. And and I may end up getting one of those things uh, either before next season or sometime the next few years um, because it just seems so easy to use. Like if I, if I could click a couple buttons, you know, after something happened, then that's perfect. Like it's not, it's not where it's not like a regular camcorder where you have to be recording to capture something like 
or you have to consciously hit record and be ready for something like that insta 360 you stake it in the ground it's recording 10 minutes at a time yep. and then when something happens then you hit the button it's like oh that's cool click it's like oh that was genius to me that's perfect for somebody like me that don't know what they're doing so i'm uh i may end up investing in one of those before next year i think it's a good one no doubt anything you're going to buy before next year man i'm i'm still uh i'm still trying to uh start the conversation of one of those uh shotguns for the you know for the kids oh yeah <laughs> one, of those, <laughs> one of those conversations yeah and i really got my eye on the uh the benelium 2 compact mm. stock with a 24 inch barrel yeah it's like 5.7 pounds empty it's like ooh man that's gonna be a bad little turkey gun i've got i've got that benelli super black eagle uh and i've had it for 20 years now nearly and there's nothing wrong with that gun. I'll never part with it. But after toting that gun around, like when we were out in Montana with Parker, toting that 12 gauge around and then feeling Parker's little 20 gauge, I was like, man, what am I doing? I ain't living right. So uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to jump on that bandwagon and uh, tighten things up and uh, jump on that 20 gauge wagon. With the the gun Parker has, that SA-20, it almost is identical to the specs on that Benelli. It's it got really- like... It's almost identical from a weight perspective on uh, it has a two inch shorter barrel. So when you look at mm. them kind of like side by side on paper, I mean, although you're looking at a Mossberg versus a Benelli and that's a huge price swing too. Yeah. Um, but specs wise, it's, man, it's an awesome gun. Awesome. Mm. Awesome gun. I'm going to make a note of that. Cause I'll, yeah. I'll start toying around with some, uh, some specs for it then. Can I get a compact stock for it? Like I want a tiny gun. Um, I bet you can't. I mean, if nothing else, you can do some gunsmith modification of chopping that thing down. But I don't think it. Did you shoulder his? Because that thing is almost like a compact stock already. I think I did. And I don't think I had any complaints with it, but uh, it was just going to be like legit. That part was going to be for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so having a compact stock and then when you're turkey hunting, it's not like wing shooting. Like you don't yeah. have to have, you know, that perfect fit or whatever. So you could get away with a short stock turkey hunting. So, and it was just going to be that much shorter of a gun. I got that, uh, the one with the pistol grip too. So I got the SA-20 mm-hmm. tactical and dude, I, I've never had a gun with a pistol. Never thought I wanted a shotgun with a pistol grip on it until I had one. Mm-hmm. And I really, really enjoyed having that this year as well. Yeah. For a turkey gun, those things are sweet. We yeah. use one of those uh, uh, down in Mexico. When we went hunting with Jay. Uh, we borrowed their guns and I think it was like, there's a Rite or a TriStar. Mm. I forget one of the, it, it wasn't yeah. a bad gun. Yep. And uh, it was the first one I'd ever used that had the pistol grip. And for turkey hunting, that thing is sweet. It's nice. It's a nice little addition. So, yeah, I'll, uh, if, if I do go that route, I, pro- I may send it down to uh, Preston, then an iron horse, yep. and have him do the full work over on it. Uh, I have to get it drilled and tapped, put a red dot on it. I don't know what choke I'd get for it. Um, st- talking about chokes, you know, my, uh, my gun set up, but it's been the same pretty much for years, except for the red dot here in the last few years. Um, I've had a pure gold 670 choke in it mm-hmm. and for years it's been totally fine. Um, and then for some reason, and this year, but I don't think, I don't think it's the choke's fault. I think it was my fault that I didn't pattern my shotgun properly and probably make the adjustments that I really needed to. But anyway, all the birds I shot this year, I shot low. Like hmm. I had a lot of pellets. 
like in that top uh, little part of the breast um, that I had to cut out and I would want more pellets up high. And I'm just wondering if maybe I need to tighten up my choke a little bit, maybe switch to like a six, six, five to where it's not so open because with a, a 12 gauge, three inch shell, you've got, I don't know, like 700 and something pellets, I think, in a you know, with number nine TSS, you know, from apex, I think I looked it up the other day. And so that's a lot of pellets. And I think if I just tightened it up just a little bit, it would still be probably like that 14, 16 inch, like full pattern, like a plum full pattern at like 40 yards. I think I could still get away with it. So if I do make any changes to that gun, I think I may just get another choke for it. Um, but another thing I did different, I went on Apex's website. They had a sale for Memorial Day and I got two and three quarter inch shells hmm. instead of three inch. And the two and three quarter inch shells still had like, I want to say like 600 and something pellets. I don't know, something. I don't know. It had a lot of pellets in there still for two and three quarter. And if you look at it like a three and a half number six lead, it's only like 450. So I dropped down, you know, in length. I didn't lose any speed. You know, the, the pellets are still coming out the same speed. Yeah. I just reduced the number of pellets. So we may see what that does. I got a couple boxes of those. And that may be something I think about too with if I get the 20 gauge and I may just shoot two and three quarter out of it and see what happens because it's still going to have more pellets than the lead shot oh yeah and still going to be coming out the same speed i think the the 12 gauge is shooting them out at 1200 feet per second even the two and three quarter and the 20 gauge is like 1150 so it's not that much difference so i don't know i may may dive into the ballistics chart for uh for tss over the off season give you something to, to think about anyways obsess mm-hmm. over a little yeah Right. Oh man, this did uh, you play? I was gonna say, did you play around with any ammo or anything different that you do this year? May change next year. Um, gun setup. Uh, probably gonna stay one hundred percent the same. I might try shooting some blended TSS this year. I might try to go Mm -hmm. to like a seven and a nine in the off Mm -hmm. season just to see how it shoots and what I'm I'm putting down range and kind of do like Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Just do a little bit more research. Yeah. Um, try to figure out why I had a couple of birds to get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the last time I missed uh, missed turkeys during the season, which it was also a year where I missed multiples, I ended up just like buying a whole new gun. So I don't think I'm going that far, <laughs> that drastic. That could get expensive. <laughs> that that would get very expensive, and I can't use that uh, excuse every time I have a bad <laughs> bad season behind a shotgun. <laughs> but uh, I guess, uh, yeah, man, I don't. There's not a lot that I need now. Like I say that every at the end of every turkey mm-hmm. season, though. I'm like, man, I got everything I need. Like I got yep. binoculars or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Like there's nothing I need to add, and then I'll end up adding something. Yeah, I might, I might get some new socks, Joey. Something to keep my feet dry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I I told somebody one time, I was like, yeah, we like to say buy once, cry once, but I think we say that about once a month. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I am in kind of some of the I'm romanticizing about some of the camping type stuff and i did mm-hmm. that um a bunch of years ago probably five plus years ago doing some of the western trips and swings but i haven't done it lately uh, and i think i want to get back into that if nothing else just like what you're talking about uh, more like through hiking with kids and mm-hmm. things like that just getting them a little bit more active outside yeah 
that stuff's not hard to get into. I mean, you can throw that stuff in just any old backpack and hike a yeah. couple miles. Uh, you don't have to have a backcountry backpack or any kind of huge backpack. I already got all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I went down those <laughs> rabbit holes a long time ago, but I did. I did do the buy once, cry once, and like, hey, man, I bought a stone glacier back in 2014, something like that. Mm-hmm. Probably never, never need another bag. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah, good. they're good bags. I've got the I've got the little the little backpack that I do for work, and I've used it as my uh, like my whitetail bag, like private yeah. land, whatever. I don't have to haul a bunch of stuff. But my buddy Jacob, he's got a stone glacier pack, and he loves his. And I haven't heard any bad things about any of them. Their clothing is awesome too. So I, yeah, speaking of that out, yeah, like jackets, rainwear. Like I've started picking up. They got some like pro deals. So mm. check that out and uh, get some discounts too. Right on. I'll make a note of that. Hey, man. Well, this has been fun. This might be one of the longest turkey hunting gear episodes ever published <laughs> in the history of turkey hunting podcast world. <laughs> but if we'd had Parker on here, man, we would have went, we would have went a long time. Oh, we, yeah, we might have had to had a part two because just everybody's different and everybody's got the things that they like and things that work for them. And, uh, and we all like to talk about them. So there's, I mean, you could talk, you don't hear a lot about turkey gear. I mean, you talk, you hear about the vest, you hear about the calls, and you hear about you know shells and stuff like, like that. But uh, like the boots and clothing and camp stuff, like a lot of that doesn't really get much airtime when it comes to turkey stuff. No, it, I mean, I think it like having some background listening to some of those Western podcasts for sure helps. Just kind of mm-hmm. knowing and understanding some of those the boot questions. I think if people are like really getting into it, like, hey, I won't go on a turkey hunt out west or something like that because they're going to put some miles on it it's, it's got to be boots and pants boots mm-hmm. pants and vest if you got those three taken care of uh some type of glass man you're good you know yeah roll yeah. with it yeah yeah it's uh it can be as expensive as you want it to be or you could get you know pretty decently priced stuff yeah. that are that's pretty decent quality to start out with but uh yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll get off here until next time. But uh, if anybody has any questions about gear or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us. I'm always down to talk about gear, uh, as you can see, um, and uh, anything else that goes with turkey hunting. We're uh, we're still plugging along here. We're we're still going to knock out a couple more probably weekly episodes, I'm sure, and then uh, we got some other things that we'll try to get off, uh, get on going here in the off season too. So big things on the horizon. Absolutely. Make sure you're subscribed so you can see uh, see when we drop them. Yep. Y'all stay tuned, and uh, we'll catch you next time here on the Limb Hanger. Hey, thanks for listening to the Limb Hanger Turkey Hunting Podcast. Hope you tune in next week for another great conversation about our favorite bird in the woods as the wild turkey. We'll talk to you guys next week.